As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is DeMar DeRozan, and you're listening to the Bulls Talk Podcast. All right. I think that little red marker in the corner means we are live. I'm Rob Schaefer, uh, joined as always by my NBC Sports Chicago colleague, our Bulls insider, Casey Johnson. Uh, and today joined uh, by three-time NBA champion. Uh, or four. Sorry, Will, did I just get that wrong? Is it four? Or you corrected yourself. It's okay. All right, there we go. I I I I I had that laid out in my mind, and I uh and I and I fumbled it right out the gate here. But our pre and post game uh, analyst Will Purdue, uh, Casey, Will, and I are here to react to an inactive trade deadline by the Bulls. They stood pat. Uh, we have not the three of us talked about any of our opinions on this beforehand, so it should be a fun show. Uh, but Casey, let's let's go to you first because you've been working phones all day today. You've been working phones uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, your reaction to the, that trade deadline passing at 2 p.m. Central today and the Bulls standing pat, um, and did it surprise you at all, or is this something you kind of saw coming? No, I wrote last night from Charlotte. This, it didn't surprise me at all because I wrote last night from Charlotte. I mean, basically all you've been hearing for several days now from Billy, and he's obviously the the main voice uh, spokesperson for the franchise because he meets with us every day, is we really like this group. We really like this group. We're going to get – we need to get whole. When we're whole, we're we're good. Um, and, you know, I don't think that should be discounted because this team uh, has undergone significant amount of change um, over the past, you know, nine months since uh, our tourists made that first move at, at this time last year. Well, the trade deadline was later last year, but symbolically at this time last year, the trade deadline um, with the acquisition of Vooch. Um, you know, since then, it's been a nonstop flurry of activity and from management seat, um you know they want to they want to see this group get whole and see what it can do. Uh, I thought you know the most telling moment of the Arturis press conference was when he was asked, "Was it hard to stand pat with all the other teams making moves around you?" And he said, "No, because he believes in this team. He thinks it's a top five offensive and defensive team when fully healthy." And he says the stats bear that out. So we'll see. And I would just add a couple things. Um, they're not done. I, I'm going to be shocked if they don't add somebody in the buyout market. And I would think that. You know, my speculation is Alfonso McKinney would be waived in that scenario. And uh, the most important detail um, that I want to get to, well, I have two source uh, materials I want to get to before we go to Will. Um, I was told that Patrick Williams was never involved in any serious discussions, which would really, to me, be the only piece that gets you to a needle-moving type transaction. Um, so that's significant. That shows the belief that they have in Patrick Williams. And just as importantly, you know, management, I mean, I'm sorry, ownership stance has always been, they are willing to go into the luxury tax for a title contending team. So there were no financial restrictions as management approaches trade deadline and moving forward into an off season in which Zach Levine is due a, um, a uh, maximum contract extension. So, you know, this, this uh, ownership group is obviously very pleased with the job our tourists and the staff have done. 
and they're willing to pay for a, a title contending team. There's a lot to unpack there. Will, uh, let, let's start with this as we kick to you here. Because Will's going to be angry that they didn't do anything. <laughs> well, so that's no, what not necessarily. Ask. I'm just messing I, with you, Will. <laughs> so, so the question is, I don't know how much you've gotten to listen to or read Arturis Karnaschovas' comments in full, Will, but based on kind of the framework of the Bulls' rationale for standing pat, wanting to see this group healthy, liking the continuity uh, aspect – liking what they saw from this group at the meeting in the season, wanting to give them a chance to get whole and maybe not seeing the right deal for them out there on the market. Is that satisfactory to, to you as a lot of other Eastern Conference teams made moves today and in recent days? Uh, do you see the Bulls' logic and rationale? Do you think it was uh, acceptable for this team, given their window, to ride out, this, uh, ride out this trade deadline without making a major move? Well, let me, let me say this. You know, I... I, I... I I've, did not see the press conference live. I've seen the printed version of what was said and what was discussed, the questions that were asked, the answers that he gave. I I believe, much like KC said, because we kept hearing Billy Donovan after every game talk about, we like the chemistry, we like the chemistry, we like the chemistry, we like the chemistry, that they were setting us up for this very exact moment so that when they had that press conference at two whatever central time, they were going to be basically saying, unless something blows our socks off, we're standing pat, number one. Number two, we truly believe in Patrick Williams, and we are not trading him. So let's move on from that question, whether you know he's going to be part of a package or not. And number three, I fully believe they have something up their sleeve when it comes to the buyout market. Because I will, I will say that I was somewhat disappointed because of the number of big men that did move today that helped opposing teams. I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks got better with Serge Ibaka, addressed the need. Um, I feel like, and this is the scary part, I feel like since, I mean, sorry, I feel like the, the Pacers, even though they're kind of buyers, I think because of the, the pieces that they still have, the youth that they, they're developing, and the amount of money that they have under the salary cap, they're going to be right back in the playoff picture next year because of what they can actually do with free agency. Um, you know, there were certain things that I don't want to say it bothered me because what I can say is, is that Arturis and Eversley haven't done anything yet for me to doubt them. But when you see Jalen Smith traded, Tristan Thompson, now that could be a name on the, the buyout market, traded. Andre Drummond, traded. You're like, well, I think what we're learning now is is what the value of competent big men are. And that's still what this team lacks. So on one hand, you're kind of frustrated because of the number of big men that were moved. But I still have belief that there's going to be buyouts I still have the belief that, you know, Arturis and Mark are going to make the right decision and, and bring in somebody to help this team. But I'm just kind of curious how they're going to do it. And so I will, I will patiently fidget and wait to see what happens. But I do understand what they're talking about as far as chemistry. I understand what he's talking about as far as continuity. And then I'll, 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 I'll now move out of my diplomatic stance and make a determination when you look at the trades that 
helped, in my opinion, the Brooklyn Nets get better and the Milwaukee Bucks get better. At the end of the day, they're still better than a 100% healthy Chicago Bulls team. That doesn't mean that the Bulls can't compete and can't give these guys a run for their money. But in a seven-game series, if you take the Chicago Bulls versus the Nets, both teams fully healthy, you take an even Kyrie only playing on the road, and you take the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champions, and a fully healthy Chicago Bulls team, I think the Bucks are still better in a seven-game series. And we didn't even, and when you talk about competent big men, Will, that, that got moved, obviously saw Montrezl Harrell go to Charlotte, um, saw Thad Young, who the Bulls couldn't have gotten in the game on anyway uh, from a trade perspective. Yeah, they could but, have got him after the trade and a buyout, but we all we all fully believe that, you know, that Toronto got him for a reason because he's going to make them better. And, and that's the, you know, I don't want to say that's the, you know, the Montrezl Harrell trade is the one that kind of, you know, it's kind of like something that gets stuck in your tooth because you're like, wow, I wonder what the Bulls could have got for Montrez Harrell. But then at the end, you got to look at the big picture and be like, what's he going to cost you in the long run? Mm-hmm. You know, I, He's that would be a short-term deal. What would that cost you in the long run to try to keep him? Yeah, I, I kind of felt that way about the, the Torrey Craig deal with, uh, that's with, the one him, that, with him that's going to Phoenix. He, that's the one that gave me pause too, Rob, the Torrey Craig deal. Even though he's, not, you know, he's, he's just such an aggressive defender, but yeah. And Jalen Smith, a guy who was a top 10 pick only two years ago, but has shown so little that he Phoenix didn't pick up his third and fourth year option. So, you know, I, that's one where I was like, could the Bulls have matched that? But, um, you know, that th- these are little quibbles. So, Will, let, let's stay on this, you know, what the Bulls can do now. It sounds like, and, and I think we would all agree, that size is a big thing they need to be looking for on the buyout market right now. What specifically within that do you hope that they look at from a skill set perspective as they're perusing the options that are on the buyout market right now? Well, I don't like that they're waiting to get healthy because even when they get healthy, and and that's the other thing I think people need to be very careful of. Let's, you know, let's remind people that Caruso is four weeks, then a reevaluation. We don't even know if he's going to be ready in four weeks, okay? Lonzo Ball is four weeks. Patrick Williams, I think – did, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Artura said middle of March or maybe. Well, Casey, you can you can, you can elaborate on that a little bit. Patrick Williams, what the Bulls believe will be his return date? Uh, just the the soft target date I've heard thrown around is mid March. So yeah, yeah. So you take that and let's take this team as being healthy. What you need now is what I feel is a big man that you know can give you six to eight quality and when I say quality I don't mean luck points I mean it's somebody that you know can get some offensive rebounds somebody that you can dump it down to if they're being guarded guarded by somebody that's undersized that can get you a bucket but uh, more so provides rim protection rebounding and somebody that a defense would have to kind of plan for when they're in the game because of what they can do on the defensive end of the floor, not necessarily guard somebody out on the perimeter, but somebody that can kind of clog up the middle, but also somebody that I know everybody's talking about an enforcer. Those don't really exist in the league anymore, but somebody that's willing to give a hard foul to send a message to, if you think you're going to keep coming into the lane and turning the corner and getting to the rim, not happening. We're going to sit, we're legitimate within the rules we're going to foul you and send you to the free throw line. So maybe that discourages somebody not early in the game, 
but in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what this second unit is missing. And I think that that's somebody that, you know, when Vooch has to go out of the game, Billy and the coaching staff feel very comfortable with ever, whoever this individual is. And I, I do think they're going to make a push for some players in the buyout market can bring in, that can give you that 12 to, to 16 minutes a game. I think, and just based on what you're saying there, and I agree with all of it, Tristan Thompson to me, and we've been talking about him for weeks and months on this podcast as a potential bad guy. He checks a lot of boxes to me. Will, to your point about the rebounding, I just pulled a stat that I had from a couple days ago. It's it's one of the more glaring, I think, stats of the season as it relates to the Bulls' front court need. The Bulls are actually 10th in the NBA right now in defensive rebounding rate, which I think is pretty impressive considering how undersized they play a lot of times. But a lot of that is Vooch averaging 11, about 11 and a half rebounds a game. When Vooch is on the floor, the Bulls pull down 76% uh, of opponent misses, rebound 76% of opponent misses. That would be first in the NBA. When Vooch is off the court, they rebound 69% of opponent misses, which would be last. It's a huge, huge gap. So to your point, to have that, uh, you know, potentially a stopgap guy like a Tristan Thompson potentially uh, in there uh, to, to eat some of those non-Vooch minutes, I think would be huge from a rebounding perspective. Now, Thompson's past his prime. He's not what he was when he was a linchpin to that 2016 Cavs team. Uh, but I think he is, you know, a little bit underrated in terms of his versatility defensively. Uh, like you said, enforcers might not be, uh, they might be a thing of the past in the NBA in, in the traditional sense of the word. Uh, but he has that championship experience. He is a tough-minded guy. Not tremendously offensively skilled, I wouldn't say, but he gets you extra possessions on the offensive glass, putbacks, things like that. So he's, I mean, he's far and away my top target. The, the problem is the Bulls are going to have competition, right? I mean, uh, there are a lot of teams out there, uh, contending teams, that are going to be looking to add guys uh, through this avenue. Um, Lakers, Nets, Philly. I think Boston has something like five open roster spots after their Floria moves today. Not that they're a contender necessarily, but they'll have uh, the flexibility to do it. Uh, Paul Millsap, a buyout name that we've talked about a lot in the past. Him going to Philly. Casey, yeah, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like that's a situation where he will hit the market anymore. They, right, they kind of right. need him, especially with Drummond gone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Bulls are able to pull out of the hat. Um, well, let me and, ask you this, Rob, and I'll get you and Casey. I know it was, to me, it was kind of humorous when the Orlando Magic were basically, you know, according to everything I saw, put out a message. Okay, if you want Robin Lopez, it's going to cost you a first-round pick. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, hey, if you can get somebody to pay that, that's good. But on the buyout market, what would you what would you say – Rob and KC about, you know, Lopez being one of those guys that can check a lot of those boxes. I like the Lopez idea. I would go to KC on feasibility. Do you, do you think that's feasible, KC, that he'll be out there? Um, I have not done much original reporting on that, so I don't want to speculate. Um, you know, I think they already did two way. They they waived two players today and Michael Carter-Williams and Etuan Moore after their Florida move. So Got it. Uh, I would guess he'd stick around, but even if he's available, I personally, I, although I did float his name one time, I don't love that fit because he's, I mean, is he, I guess he's an upgrade on Tony Bradley, but he's a backup five. I mean, he's not playing four alongside Vooch, you know, so I still well, think. Neither, Tom, neither would Thompson, right? Well, I mean, Thompson he can could. play some, can he? In some lineups, right? In some matchups? I, I yeah, guess if Vooch then... shooting, it's tenable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Go you on. could do that because then that's when you're basically relying on Vooch to pick and pop. Mm -hmm. You know, running a lot of screen rolls with Thompson on the weak side, diving in, you know, to rebound. So that's, you know, that's a possibility. But I'm just talking about, and in my purpose, as Casey just just said, I think that's an upgrade. You know, and that it just 
if whether he becomes available or not is questionable. I was just throwing that out there because I think there's going to be options uh, for this for these guys. But the question is, who are they competing against, and can you convince that individual to come to Chicago? Yep. Drew Eubanks, who was a backup center in San Antonio, I believe was also waived by Toronto today. I don't know much about Eubanks, just being candid, but he's a guy that I would keep my eye on just just for that um, front court size aspect. Uh, Lopez, a name to watch. Tristan Thompson, a name to watch. Um, how about Enos Cantor Freedom? Any any appetite for that in the uh, in the live chat? Uh, I don't know because he he doesn't answer the questions for what yeah. they need. On yeah. the defensive end, I mean, he's he's a big body, but he listen, he's not known for his defensive prowess. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, I was actually floated that by somebody I was talking to today, the, the Enos Cantor Freedom idea, and I, I just don't even see him as an upgrade on Tony Bradley. So that, that, that was kind of my answer to that. In my own personal opinion, we'll see what the Bulls do. We should also cite uh, Goran Dragic as, as a possibility sure. because that was reported. Um, I did not get that independently confirmed, but it was reported by very reputable um, – you know, national reporters. And um, so that can't be discounted, even though I, I personally don't see, you know, that's just a stopgap measure. He does fit in the sense that he's a total pro and would play a lot until ball and cruise come back. And then he would probably be able to slide to a lesser role. Uh, but to me, the focus needs to be more on the front court than the back court. And what one, you know, internal guy we've, we've talked about Patrick Williams a little bit already, but you know, he is on his way back. It seems he will slide back into that power forward, rotation. Will, I'll ask you this. What do you think are reasonable expectations for Patrick Williams? What if, and when he is able to come back, let's call it mid-March, you know, after missing five months coming off a traumatic injury, a second year player who there was a lot of uncertainty about coming into this season. Anyway, I think he's an X factor for the bulls, but you know, what do you think is reasonable to expect from him? Well, I agree with you. I think he is an X factor because that's, that's the million dollar question. We just don't know. I mean, the one thing that I think that we can agree on to, to, to what level, you know, is, is personal preference. I just, I have unfortunately been, you know, I, I would like to see him play much more aggressive. I'd like him to, to almost be selfish at times when he does play. Um, you know, I know that, Billy talks about chemistry. He to get him back in this lineup is going to disrupt the chemistry a little bit. It's going to disrupt the rotations. It's going to take minutes away from some guys that have actually been playing very well. So quite honestly, the team could take a step back before it takes a step forward. As we know, potential is a dangerous word in the NBA. He's got unbelievable potential. We've seen glimpses of who we hope he becomes. But we, we just don't know yet because of injury. And we just, you know, we want to keep our fingers crossed that, you know, this guy can keep himself healthy. Um, I, I would hope that he's a guy that when he comes back, you know, you put him into the starting lineup. He gives you, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a game. He gives you anywhere between 10 and 15 points. He, he, he's a lockdown defender. He continues to grow on that potential on the defensive end. And then he also, you know, becomes a guy that maybe he doesn't average double figure rebounds, but he's a guy that gives you a tough, you know, five to six or seven rebounds in that time frame. But he's also a guy because of his height, maybe he can't grasp a lot of rebounds, but he can keep balls alive, tap them away from the defense. Cause 
I think one of the things we also have to do a better job of is Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, the, the guards. And I know this affects our ability to get on the fast break, but I think we got to start packing it in a little bit and, and rebounding better as a team and not just relying on, hey, let's get a big body, get him in here. You know, I think it's a mentality that we have to start developing and start focusing on and then work on, you know, securing the rebound and then getting out on the break. Yeah, and a little bit of size probably help um, with that. We, you almost want Patrick Williams to, you know, pick Javante Green's brain a little bit because if we could put Javante Green's mentality into uh, Patrick Williams's body, I mean, you know, we, we'd really be cooking with uh, with Greece. Um, I think we've hit on a lot of the Bulls' angles from today. Uh, you guys want to talk, Harden Simmons? We you have got, you to. I was waiting for it, man. We have to. Let's go. All right, Casey. All right, Casey let's go to you first. Who wins? I'm going to put this overly simplistically. I'm going to back you into a corner that you'll never escape from. I hate Who won the James Harden, Ben Simmons trade I, today? The, no, I, no, no skirt around it. I know you're messing with me because you and I talk about how much, how stupid this is offline. Oh, yeah. You got to declare an immediate winner to a trade. You don't know where Ben Simmons' head is at. You don't know where James Harden's head is at. I'll, I'll give the diplomatic longer version answer and then give the short answer. Diplomatic ones, I actually do think it's a trade that, that works really well for both teams. I, I like the fit for both teams. If you are asking me to predict a winner, I'm going to go, I think, in the minority, although Will sounds like he might be joining me. I love this move for the Nets. You know, Ben Simmons does not need to score for that team. He can just go crazy at the defensive end, gives them two really long, versatile defenders with him and KD. This is all assuming, and this is a big assumption, that Kyrie Irving is a full-time participant, okay? And obviously yeah. getting Joe Harris back, which is an iffy proposition, would be a huge help as well. But if that team is whole, man, I love this fit for Ben Simmons. It gives him a fresh start in a situation where he can focus on what he does best with no offensive pressure whatsoever. What do you think, Will? Well, let, let's I, – I agree with Casey 100% because let's be honest here – According to all the latest reports, you know, the city of New York doesn't plan on changing their vaccination status anytime soon, right? Mm -hmm. So basically it benefits the Brooklyn Nets to never have home court advantage because if there's a game seven, don't you want Kyrie playing? So, I mean, that's got to be taken into the equation because I think, A, if what Ramona Shelburne was reporting today from ESPN – He's been seeing his own personal therapist for a long time to get himself through this. You know he's been working out, but he's not in game shape. So this is going to take a little time. And I love the, the addition of Andre Drummond. They addressed a need. So to me, and I'm, I'm going to be straight up, when I saw this trade and all the pieces that came with it, I was like, this is a huge kick in the nuts to the Chicago Bulls. Because, I, 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 again, the Bulls are still competitive with the Nets. The Bulls can give them a run for their money, but then they just have too many pieces now that attack the Bulls' weaknesses. And a lot of that has to do with length. But I, I, my, I throw this point out there now. So you're in a late-game situation. You know the ball's going to be handed to, to, to KD. But now you could put LaMarcus Aldridge on the floor, Kyrie Irving on the floor, Seth Curry on the floor, and Patty Mills on the floor. So let me add, when you're a defense, you're like, who do you say, well, if that guy can beat us, that guy can beat us. 
Now you got plenty of scores. You got another guy that can break down the offense, and you got a big that can rebound, but also score in traffic. To me, that's that's just like that's where a coach literally says, "All right, I want to draw up a defensive play, but my biggest option is prayer, and let's hope that somebody misses." Yeah, I forgot about Seth Curry, but I was rambling in my answer, man. I love him too. I've always loved his game. So yeah. And then you got, and, and if you wanted to, you could throw Andre Drummond in there, the human vacuum, who could basically get an offensive rebound and then kick it right back out to another shooter. Yeah, and it definitely makes them deeper. And the Curry thing is an underrated part of this because, because oh. uh, like you said, of Harris's uh, uncertain status, Casey, and it, it you know, it, if Harris were to come back, I mean, Lord, like how much shooting can you surround these guys with? And Simmons. You know, again, provided he's able to work his way back into game shape, um, it's a great stop for him. It, defensively, he's going to help them a ton. He'll get them out and running more, um, especially, you know, you would think in the non-Kyrie KD uh, minutes. So I, I think I think there's a lot of it that is great from their perspective, especially because Brooklyn was really backed up into a corner here with Harden seemingly by the end of this thing, um, you know, overtly trying to force his way out. Um, and then for Philly, I mean, obviously it's a win for Daryl Morey to turn this Simmons situation where he appeared – uh, to have no leverage into, you know, an all NBA talent, James Harden. Well, let's just see how engaged he is now that he is uh, where he wants to be. We thought that he was where he wanted to be a year ago. Uh, within a year, he's forced his way out uh, to the next place. But um, you just look at Philly's front five. I mean, Harden, Maxey in the backcourt, Danny Green, uh, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. I mean, that's that, that's just a ton of a ton a ton of top end uh, talent uh, to have out there. They're going to be dangerous. And like you said, well, I mean, it just makes the Bulls path that much tougher because as much as maybe the Nets uh, aren't as fearsome, at least offensively as they were with Harden, uh, Kyrie and KD and Philly was already a bad matchup for the Bulls anyway with Embiid. I mean, they're zero three against them the season for a reason for Simmons now to be back in play. And for these two teams having the potential to both continue to be powerhouses, it just makes it all that much more important for the Bulls to nail this stretch run and get healthy. Cause if they fall out of the top four here, you're almost guaranteed an elite opponent in a first round matchup. And uh, unless it's Brooklyn, uh, you, you don't want to be at a disadvantage in terms of home court uh, against yeah, any of these teams. But, but Rob, I think this isn't just about this year now either, because okay. this yeah. is, this is now, I think the, the, the power has shifted back to the Eastern conference because my question to you guys is then Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, Chicago, you can't dodge anybody anymore. Before, we used mm-hmm. to always talk about, hey, best case scenario, you know, possibly Brooklyn and Milwaukee end up in the other side of the bracket once the playoffs start. But then all of a sudden, you're like, well, now you got Miami, you got Philly. You, I mean, there's no dodging anybody. So this is all of a sudden, in my, in my opinion, and this is also very important. I want people to understand this. When you talk about, let's talk about Brooklyn. Let's talk about Philly. Let's talk about Miami. Let's talk about the Bucks and the Bulls. Of those five teams, to me, it's more important for the Bulls to win as many games as possible heading into the playoffs than any of those other teams because I fully believe that those other teams have an identity. They know exactly who they are and they play to that identity. We're still trying to figure that out as good as the Bulls have played, but because of injuries, we're still trying to figure that out, and we're still going to put a lot of pressure and reliance on guys that have never been to the playoffs. 
Yep. Compared to obviously a lot of those teams, including the defending champion Bucks, the Bull, uh, the Bulls are by far the least uh, battle tested, I would say, especially as a group together. So 100% agree with you there, Will. I'd even throw Cleveland, not in a sense of maybe they're a deep playoff threat this year because of their inexperience, but they're another team that one is set up for success for years to come. They're going to be a force in the Central Division and in the Eastern Conference uh, for a couple of years, it looks like uh, down the line. They're also someone who is tied with the Bulls record-wise right now, and they're a team you're going to have to vie with for seeding. Um, so this this top six, seven, I mean, even Boston has has kind of quietly put things together over the last few weeks. It's going to be tough coming down the stretch here. Um, Bulls, you know, obviously the, the onus is on them to get healthy and handle, you know, the opponents that they should be able to handle uh, and maybe steal some wins against some contending teams too. You know, the interesting uh, thing is we're having this discussion – and you know what names drop by the wayside that is really going to help the next the the Nets? It's Claxton. You're talking about a young talent there. I know that they're talking about well, they and they can't do it now, but they're talking about maybe in the future using those pieces and him to to make a trade. But I mean, they just that's why you know what you're talking about, Casey. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Philly. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a win-win for both Philly and the Nets. But I feel like that the Nets got a lot better, not just better, but a lot better to where when healthy, they are now head and shoulders better than any team in the league, not just in the East, but in the league. There you go. And like you said, well, I mean, power shifting to the East. I mean, Phoenix and Golden State are obviously forces to be reckoned with in the West, but it's just not as deep in that contending tier um, as it is out East. Here's another question for KC, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I didn't realize this. But how much longer does the owner of the Golden State Warriors pay that much in tax before he finally says, all right, enough, I'm done? I mean, uh, Casey, correct me if I'm wrong, he paid over $100 million in luxury tax last year. And I think as their roster sits right now, it's $130 million. I think it's 170 actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that uh that new arena's got some revenue streams uh, surrounding it and some corporate <laughs> contracts. So yeah, uh, but no, it's 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 and look, you know, I know there's this reputation amongst the Bulls fan base that you know the Reinsdorfs sometimes can be averse to that stuff because they've look they've only paid the luxury tax one time in, in franchise history, and then the 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 bigger uh, moment is when they exited it just with that Luol Deng salary dump the year Derek Torres meniscus, right? So that was that, that look kind of further cemented that theory. But as I said in my piece today, I mean, my sources tell me that they are willing to pay the luxury tax with this roster as it is if it would have been this season or moving forward. They know that Zach's up for will be a maximum contract extension. It could be a super max. He could be super max eligible if he's all NBA. And, you know, that that's a significant uh, development or a significant storyline because – not even a development. That's always been their stance. You know, like they'll pay the luxury tax for a title contention. But the fact that that is on the table kind of shows where this management team has brought this franchise in short order. I don't personally quite think that they're there yet. And I think everyone on this call would would agree with that. Um, but, you know, they, they've hit a lot of they've they've gotten a lot of hits in their moves. So that's why I'm probably a little less apoplectic that they stood pat at the trade deadline than some people because. I like what Arturo said. I'm seeking continuity now. I, I've done a lot of moves, and now I'm see, seeking some continuity, and that'll come with them getting healthy. All right, so we're we're around 30 minutes. We're going to get out of here in a few, but uh, Tony uh, Tony Gill, our, our venerable producer, uh, working working hard behind the scenes, 
uh, has a couple fan questions for us to get to. I think we've got, uh, or listener questions, I should say. Um, so this from Joshua Julian. Uh, are they just are the Bulls just waiting for Patrick Williams to come back? Is that their plan? Uh, I think it's a big part of the plan. Uh, Casey, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I mean, that's again, that kind of ties into the fans' frustration. Is it that our plan? It's just Patrick Williams. Oh, okay. back. You know, it's sure. Lonzo Ball coming back. It's Alex Caruso coming back. It's Derek Jones Jr. coming back. Again, I'm not sitting here defending it, saying this is going to be a team that's going to slay Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I've I've always thought they're a little bit below that top tier of teams, but they're in the conversation, and I think they're going to be a tough out if they get healthy against whoever they face. But yes, Patrick Williams is part of the. A, a larger group of returning players that, that our tourist kind of show us would like to see on the court. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter too, is I, I don't know if we hit this hard enough early in the show, but other than Patrick Williams and maybe Kobe white, I mean, the bulls were not flush with assets because of how aggressive they've been over the last nine months. They played a lot of their chips to build the team that they have right now. So that's why, I mean, and we've been framing it like this for a couple of weeks. It's been evident for a couple of weeks that any move was going to be a marginal one. And it just appears that that didn't, uh, come to fruition. It, it wasn't put on AK and the rest of his staff's plate. Uh, Tony, you got any any other ones back there? All right, we got another one from Mike Galvin. Uh, why didn't the Bulls ever go in on DeMarcus Cousins? Way better than any of the backup centers they have now. Will, I'll let you take this one uh, with the context that DeMarcus, I think uh, Mike Singer of the Denver Post reported today, is planning to sign another 10-day uh, uh, in Denver. Um, they obviously have a need at backup center too, but Boogie obviously had a productive stint with the Bucs early in the season. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what his potential fit would have looked like with the Bulls? Well, you know, I, I think that's a valid question because when he, you know, when the Bucs released him, I thought that, that, you know, the Bulls should have given that a serious consideration. And maybe they did. Maybe they've talked to his agent and maybe they talked to him and they just didn't like the answers. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing with Arturis and Eversley. We have no freaking clue what they're doing because there's no leaks in that building. Nothing gets out, you know, so we don't know what they've done. So because there's no leaks, there's no false information. So there's nothing really for us to hang our hat on as far as, well, I heard that he, they talked to him. They just didn't like what he said. Mm -hmm. So obviously again, I would have liked to have seen them maybe give it a 10 day, two 10 days, give it a run, see what happens. But obviously there was something there regarding his history. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not already get tossed out of a game in Denver? Uh, uh, I don't stints? know. And yeah, I don't know. His, his 10 day contracts. And, and again, because of, and I think they're trying to make sure we understand their value of chemistry. They thought that that would disrupt the chemistry that this team has by bringing him in. So they elected not to. And I, and again, I'll finish this, my point up with, they haven't done anything yet for me to question, you know, their motives so far, they've hit home runs. We know eventually that they may, they may swing and miss on something, but at the present moment, you know, they've hit home runs, so we have no reason to question them. And I would just quickly add this, like, so let's let's uh, uh, expand this to, to go back to last summer in Millsap. You know, it's like my point is, like, if they wanted Cousins, and Will's right, we don't know. I actually never got confirmed whether or not they were interested in him or not. But my point is, if if they wanted him, they would have gone af after him. And, um, you, you know, it, they've either, they either made the determination they didn't want Cousins and didn't pursue him, or they made the determination 
we want him and pursued him and lost out on him like they did in Millsap. It's not it's not like they're just sitting there going, oh, yeah, you know, oh, wait, Cousins was available? I mean, they, this front office <laughs> has done their homework on every move. They know how the league works. They know w- what's going on on everything. So they, you know, I think that they've earned the benefit of the doubt on a situation like that. Either they got in the mix and didn't get him or they determined they weren't interested in him. And, you know, uh, I personally, um, you know, think that he's got a bad rap in terms of his character because he has turned things around, but um, he has played well for Denver too. And walked. I've had those, I've had those moments as a fantasy football GM where I wake up on Wednesday morning and, ah, I missed the waiver wire this week. Shoot. Elijah Mitchell is gone. What a, I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the big. Le- the big league uh, NBA execs are uh, are having those type of lapses. You're right. Uh, all right, Tony. We got one more from Gustavo Vega. What up, Gustavo? Uh, how did the James Harden Ben Simmons trade affect the Bulls? So we've hit on this a little bit already. Um, I think the simple answer is it made the East a hell of a lot for uh, for now and for years to come. But um, will Casey? Do either of you have anything else to add other than the discussion we we had on that a little bit earlier? I think it just separates the two quite honestly, and that it just means the Bulls got more work to do. And on that point, I will throw this out there, and I want to get your guys' feedback. It's a, it's a two-part question. One, you know, how – let's just say that the, the current core, meaning DeMar, Zach, and Vooch – they're there. They are obviously we, we fully expect them to be back next year, mm-hmm. but considering contracts, considering this personnel, how, how long is this window open? Number one. And number two, we, I think it's, you know, not unrealistic to expect, start expecting a little drop off for Vooch, start expecting a little bit of a drop off. You know, we can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, DeMar's going to give us 28 a game next year. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the big picture. That's where it all kind of goes back to it's still kind of, you know, we talked about Pat Williams being the X factor. Yes. But it kind of all, all goes back to Zach Levine. How much better will he continue to get? And as Vooch's production starts to drop off, maybe DeMar's production drops off a little bit, will Zach continue to improve where he can make up for that drop-off where this team can still be considered uh, contenders? And what contract will he sign this summer? Will it be 35% of the cap? or or the, What's the Supermax? Is it, uh, the Supermax is 35. The regular is 30. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Anyway. Um, no, it's, it, that's a great question. And that's why I thought it was so worth, um, you know, having the conversation as much as we did about, is this team fully healthy one piece away? Because you look at DeMar, as much as he's having, I think we could say the, the best season of his career, considering the context and considering how much usage he's had to take on and the adversity that this team has faced. It's at least one of them. It's at least on the short list. For him to be 32, for Vooch to be 31, Vooch's contract up after next year, DeMar's contract up after two years, this season is, if not, you know, maybe this season and next season, this kind of is the window for this exact group. Um, so, you know, it's something worth uh, asking and, and pondering. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, the deadline shook out how it did. And we'll see uh, possibly how um, next season goes. Uh, but th- that's why I think the conversation early in the year was a valid one to have. It seems like injuries to a degree and kind of the, the level of sample size that the front office is working to evaluate with with. Um, when this team was healthy, it seems like that kind of made their decision for them in a way. Uh, but it certainly is, 
like you said, like you said earlier, Will, in um, in a little bit harsher terms, but it is it is a blow to uh, to the Bulls, you know, chances of being that kind of one breakaway, two breaks away team, uh, making a deep playoff run. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do. Um, all right, so I think that's all we got for fan questions. I think we've hit all the topics that we. Uh, well, KC didn't from. answer. You got to let KC answer. Answer what? I answered everything. <laughs> no, I said what is? I want your opinion on you know what's the window. Oh. And, you know, the ability of Zach to continue to get better to make up yeah. as, as far as other guys drop off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty well documented. I'm a pretty big Zach backer and and uh, defender. So I think that his – I think he's, you know – I mean, he's played at a really, really high level, obviously, both last season and this season. I don't know how much higher he can go. I don't think much higher, but I do think he can get a little bit better defensively. I think that he started that season in that vein. I think he's had a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, of late uh, as has a whole team, obviously. Um, but the window, you know, this is where I think the front office, you know, this is a very forward thinking and vision, you know, it's, it's a forward thinking front office. So they, they, they've got this, these scenarios played out. You know, if, if Vooch continues to play a high level, this is what we haven't projected resigning for. If we, if, if we think he, we can bring a few more years out of him. If not, this is the move we have projected to try to flip him into that kind of stuff. So I, I agree that, you know, I understand the sentiment like you got to max out this season from DeMar because it's unlikely he's going to match this. But, you know, with Lonzo at a pretty cost-controlled contract and Young over the next four years, this is all contingent on Patrick Williams blossoming into a legit two-way player. But I think I think this is opening a two- to four-year window of contention. And then depending on what moves are in the future, I mean, those can't be predicted. But if you have – Zach under contract, Lonzo under contract, DeMar under contract, Vooch under contract, at least for one more year, maybe more. I think I think you're looking at a two to four year window. Yeah. I think and I but think while it's but I also I'll say this, I also agree with you. The East is is back now. It's 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 the better conference, probably, right? So um yeah. the East is back. So it's gonna be hard. It's hard to put a ceiling on Zach, right? But he is twenty six, just entering his prime and I don't think we can underrate also what these years with DeMar, whether they, you know, culminate in a championship or not, are going to do for him development-wise. I mean, he's talked about that ad nauseum. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, anything else to add, guys, before we uh, get out of here? Uh, I think for, we've covered it all, man. Thanks for hanging all in the right. parking lot with us, Will. We appreciate it. We, we yeah. watched it turn from day to night. It's dark on my end. So, yeah, I, I was watching my uh, nephew's basketball game and then ran out in the parking lot. So now I'm headed over to have pizza. There you go. I skipped my son's basketball game for this, so you win. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, look at you, man! Now I feel bad. No, don't feel bad because I, you know, <laughs> you probably shot more without me there, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> All right, all right, gentlemen. Always fun to chop it up. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for watching uh, and listening. Uh, this will be in the Bulls Talk podcast feed tomorrow morning, and uh, we will catch you guys next week. 